Good evening and welcome to Inside Studio 54 and more with yours truly, Denise Chapman.
I just played Obsession for You by Anna Motion, released in 1984, big record on the Billboard dance charts. It went to number six on Billboard's Hot 100. In 1986, Obsession was featured in one of the hottest films ever, Nine and a Half Weeks with Kim Bassinger and Mickey Rourke. Okay, it's um, February 2nd, and this is Mark and Rick James' birthday. Happy birthdays, happy heavenly birthdays to both of you. From the book Inside Studio 54, this is Mark Fleischman speaking, I quote, Shortly after reopening Studio 54 as proprietor of the nightclub, a typical evening for me would begin with a scotch on the rocks and a few glasses of champagne as I was out and about at dinner parties or various restaurants. By 10 p.m., it was time to begin adding cocaine to the combination, as I was now entering that intense time period of about four hours of service to my very special guests, some of the most interesting people in the world, and my mind needed to be razor sharp. This served its purpose until around 2 a.m. when I would permit myself to relax and join the party with more cocaine, some cognac, and a quaalude or two to level myself out from the coke and the adrenaline rush of the previous four hours. I was functioning at an insane level of intensity, and I was loving it. I was the embodiment of the popular philosophy of the time, better living through chemicals. End of quote. Within a few weeks of reopening studio, Mark Fleischman, the new owner, hired some of New York's most attractive and socially connected young women.
my life and I oh so happy you stepped into my life and I oh so happy you stepped into my life stepped into my life stepped into my Stepped Into My Life, Melba Moore, 1978. Produced by McFadden and Whitehead, another smash hit out of Sigma Sound in Philadelphia. It peaked at 47 on the Billboard Hot 100. Written by the Bee Gees. A Mike Morrow mix edit. I really like what Mike did on this. You are inside Studio 54 and more. Okay, back to the book. We were talking about Mark hiring his assistants to help manage all that was going on at studio in 1981. And between the drugs and the celebrities and... um, It was... The music was so good. Everything was just magical. It was wonderful. Among those assistants Mark hired was the charming Christina Oxenberg, the sister of Dynasty star Catherine Oxenberg. Their mother is Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia. Another of Mark's new hires was the very young, beautiful, cherub-faced blonde Gwen Rivers. She was 14 years old the first time she saw the inside of studio. She danced the night away with a much older gay friend who carried a tambourine everywhere and worked for Gwen's father, artist Larry Rivers. Gwyn thought it was very sweet and protective that in spite of her being a streetwise kid, after Mark hired Gwyn to work at studio, Mark made it a point to pick her up after school and take her to the office for her first day of work at studio. The rest of the week he sent his driver, Fred, and after that, Gwyn made it on her own. She was smart and self-assured. Her fellow classmates were speechless when Gwyn told them, I'm working at Studio 54. One year later, Gwyn met Mick Jagger for the first time at a party at Studio, celebrating an exhibition of her father's art at the very prestigious Marlboro Gallery, which had taken place earlier that evening. Gwyn's godfather, Earl McGrath, president of Rolling Stone Records, walked into the party with Mick, and sparks began to fly. Mick was immediately smitten with Gwyn, dressed in a long taffeta gown, telling her she reminded him of the debutantes he dated in London. When Mick put his arm around Gwyn's neck and hugged her, the photographers went crazy. From then on, in addition to being the daughter of 
famous artist Larry Rivers, Gwen was now known as the sometime companion of Mick Jagger. Stevie Ray Vaughan, 1983. I had Chuck Gregory on my mind when I chose to play that tonight. Chuck passed on in November of 23. 
I featured him in my last episode, a true record man. He discovered Stevie Ray Vaughan and brought him to the attention of John Hammond at Columbia Records, and boom, the rest is history. Okay, back to the book. Mick Jagger and Gwyn Rivers continued to see each other off and on in subsequent years. Things came to a head on the night of Gwyn's 18th birthday party at studio. While her father, Larry Rivers, played a short set with his jazz band, Mick and Gwyn ended up in an embrace that went on for quite a while until Jerry Hall managed to break it up. But not before a photographer for the New York Post captured Mick and Gwyn's embrace in a photo that made the front page of the New York Post the very next morning. Gwyn proved to be a valuable asset to Market Studio. She had such good instincts about special events, and she knew a lot of really cool people. Mark met Henry Eshelman through Gwyn and hired him to manage the Studio 54 mailroom. Quite an undertaking, as you'll hear about. She introduced Mark to David Wallace, a sure-shot young promoter with a phenomenal mailing list, who knew Clint Smith, a childhood friend of Eddie Murphy. And through Clint, David booked several Saturday Night Live after-parties at studio. David was 16 but looked 10 or 12. When David introduced himself to Mark's partner, Stanley Tate, and requested his check for a party he had booked at studio, Stanley was in disbelief. He then called me to verify David's claim, which I did. Stanley then screamed into the phone, Denise, that's impossible. He could not possibly work here. Oh, but he does, Stanley. Please cut him a check for the money owed to him. He's a very good promoter. Stanley then screamed, It's impossible. He's too young. He doesn't even shave. (laughs) Oh, God. I had to cover the phone. I just smoked some really good pot, and I couldn't stop laughing. Poor Stanley. He was right. He was in disbelief. David was 16, but he looked 11 at the most. True. He had not one hair on his face to shave. (laughs) Stanley was always a pain in the ass about money and budgets, but what did Mark expect? Stanley was considered to head the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation in the Obama administration. Okay? So this guy is going to be a money-conscious guy. But we loved him. He was the voice of reason, and he did have his lighter moments as well. Stanley loved beautiful girls. He loved Elizabeth Taylor, and he loved the very sweet and irresistible, fresh face and natural all-American look of supermodel Sean Casey. She graced the covers of Harper's Bazaar and Glamour magazine many, many times. She was one of Calvin Klein's first models and the Estee Lauder girl from 1979 to 1984. Stanley was crazy about her and enjoyed being in her presence, and she enjoyed conversation with him as well. Stanley was always impeccably dressed in a suit and tie. He traveled the world and lived an interesting life. One night, Sean Casey walked into the club with some girlfriends, and Stanley spotted them at the main bar. Sean introduced Stanley to her friends, and Stanley then said to bartender L.J. Kirby, Champagne, please, for Sean and her friends. 
Sean then put her hand on Stanley's shoulder and very sweetly said, Thank you, Stanley, but please don't give me the cheap shit. I'd much rather pay for the good stuff myself. Stanley laughed and said, LJ, a bottle of Dom Pennignon for Sean and her friends. Thank you.
Dirty Old Man, The Three Degrees, 1973, written by Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff. Sigma Sound Studios, another hit out of Philadelphia. The year 2023 was the year to celebrate the Philly Sound. Gamble and Huff put much effort into it with special releases and many articles celebrating the talent and vision and something, something new this year. They included an explanation of their lyrics in hopes of shedding light on the message in some of the songs we've all grown to love so much. I applaud them for doing this. Dirty Old Man tells of the struggles faced by a woman who finds herself entangled in a toxic relationship. The lyrics portray the woman's realization that her partner is unfaithful and has been engaging in deceptive behavior. The phrase dirty old man symbolizes her feelings of betrayal, recognizing the man's negative intentions. The song emphasizes the importance of recognizing red flags and standing up against manipulating behavior, urging women to break free from the chains of unhealthy relationships. But amidst the pain and disappointment depicted in this song, The three degrees convey the importance of self-worth and the need to demand respect in any relationship. This song serves as a reminder that no one should settle for mistreatment or endure the pain caused by a dishonest partner. The powerful vocals and rhythmic harmonies amplify the empowering message, inspiring listeners to have the strength and courage to walk away from a toxic relationship. Amen to that. Gwyn Rivers suggested to Mark that he hire Victoria Leacock, daughter of the late film director Richard Leacock. This is how Victoria remembers it. I dropped out of Adelphi College when I was 18. I'd been going to studios since I was 14. It was my hangout. Mark Fleischman hired me to work as a daytime assistant at the penthouse. There weren't too many rules. Some of the girls working at Mark's penthouse during the day, they were as high as he was. I arrived for my first day at work, and I remember seeing one of Mark's assistants with her face pressed onto the floor, snorting the carpet, muttering, Is this dust or coke? Is it coke?
Papa Don't Take No Mess, James Brown, 1974. This was his 17th number one on the R&B record list, and his last, sad to say. Papa Don't Take No Mess went to number 31 on Billboard's Hot 100. Okay, we are back inside Studio 54 and more. This one's about me, so I'm just going to read it. Back in 1965, when I was running the Forest Hills Inn, my father introduced me to Denise Chapman, a beautiful young blonde model. She was renting a charming turret room at the inn. Her grandmother and my father had met through Rabbi Abraham Hecht from Brooklyn, whose endorsement was sought by almost every Democrat politician running for statewide office in New York. Her great-aunt, Bunny Siegel, was the face of the Zigfield Follies on Broadway. Her father had been a roadman for Decca Records, and her mother, a Walter Thornton model and June Taylor dancer with Jackie Gleason. She was steeped in the blues and jazz and loved the Rolling Stones as much as I did. Denise and I bonded immediately. When I invited her to see the new club I was opening, the candy store, she jumped at the chance to be one of the go-go girls that danced on the tables. She tired of that within a few months, but went on to make her mark in the music industry with the Carey brothers, Joe, Stan, and Ken. She was a partner to Ken Carey in the launch of South Soul Records, working in production, marketing, radio, and club promotion. It was now 1981, and Denise came to me seeking a job at studio. Having partied at the club from the very beginning in 1977, she understood the scene, had amazing contacts in the music industry, and shared my love of R&B music. I hired her immediately, and she was responsible for producing some of our biggest music events and parties.
Give Me Your Love, Mark Weitz, Soul Avengers and Odyssey from 2020. I heard that track for the first time on Crib Radio. On Friday night, Steve G usually plays at 7 and Joe DeMonte goes on at 8. I'm uncertain which show it was. They're both really good. Check it out on Crib Radio. Go to CrossFaderStudios.com. One of Mark's original hires at the Virgin Isle Hotel, which he owned before he took over Studio 54, was Shelley Tupper. She had proven to be so good with celebrities and special events that Mark rehired her just in time for the opening of Studio 54. Shelley descended from Thomas Tupper, one of the founding fathers of Sandwich, Massachusetts, which was settled in 1637. Shelley's blood ran blue, but on the dance floor, she was all black. Denise would arrive at studio Monday through Friday at noon. Shelley would join her at the office around 2 in the afternoon, and Gwyn Rivers would arrive around 3.30, right after school let out. The girls got along well and had many a laugh about all the goings-on at the club. On more than one occasion, Gwyn arrived with doodles drawn in black magic marker all over her legs, courtesy of Mick Jagger. Mick knew Gwyn's parents, and living close by, he would stop by their apartment and hang out, doodling on Gwyn's ankle as they all sat around the kitchen table. One afternoon, I called the office to speak with Gwyn, and Denise picked up. I could hear a lot of laughing in the background, and I asked her what was so funny. She then told me that, and this is quote from the book, word for word. Okay, this is the model talking. She then told me that the most famous model in the world at that time, whose face was on the cover of every major fashion magazine, and whose name I am forbidden to mention, had just arrived and she could barely walk. She had just spent four days with Rick James at the Plaza Hotel. She said his dick is the size of a Heineken bottle. Another time when I called, the girls were discussing who would keep Richard Gere's black sweater left in the office the night before. And then there was Hillary. Everyone was in love with Hillary. Hillary Clark, a very attractive teenager from England with a mane of long blonde ringlets and an irresistible sense of personal style. She was adorable. She became one of Mark's key nighttime assistants. She was very sexy in an Edwardian way. Short skirts, lace, and epaulets on her jackets. Everyone loved her. She was so full of joy and always smiling. Shortly after, Mark hired Hillary. She introduced Mark to her tweedy, straight-laced father, who asked Mark in his distinctive English accent for assurance that he would keep an eye on Hillary. Mark promised him he would do his best to see that no harm came to her. As his nighttime assistant, Hillary and Mark would entertain guests at the large square bar situated under the balcony and just a few feet from the dance floor manned by some of New York's hottest guys, the Studio 54 bartenders. Hillary and Mark entertained, moving and dancing from group to group, partying with everyone. Sometimes Mark would do a line or two of cocaine off the bar, throwing back shots with guests. It was fun for all. 
It was imperative, though, that, that Hillary be at Mark's side so that when he needed a person on the spot to escort a celebrity through the club to his office or the front door, or if he needed someone to clear out one of the silver banquettes for a group of celebrities, Hillary would take care of it. A year or so later, actor Tony Curtis developed a crush on Hillary. Mark doesn't remember who or what it was that finally convinced him, but he finally agreed to let Hillary accompany Tony to the Manila Film Festival. Tony had begged him for permission to take her, saying, I promise nothing will happen. I'll take care of her. She'll be safe. We'll be with Imelda and her husband, Ferdinand Marcos, the president of the Philippines. Mark knew Tony was scheduled to be the guest of honor at the festival, and he understood that Tony wanted to look good with Hillary on his arm. Hillary was young and beautiful, a hot commodity. When she personally begged him for the time off, he said yes. All he knew was was that she didn't return from the trip with a drug addiction, pregnant or ill. He kept his word to her father.
Get Down Tonight was the first of five records from KC to hit number one on Billboard's Hot 100. It's pretty good. While Mark was doing his thing at the main bar with Hillary or attending to a visiting celebrity in his office, his other assistant, Shelley Tupper, could be counted on to take care of whomever or whatever. Shelley said the following in a recent interview. Mark couldn't be in two places at the same time. Typically, I was out in the front of the club, close to the entrance hallway. I'd review the guest list with Chuck Gerlach, our head of security, and Mark Beneke at the front door. Greet celebrities, get them situated, order their drinks, or I'd just show them around and introduce them to folks. They liked that. I'd keep the photographers at a distance, which made them feel safe and comfortable. They trusted me. Sometimes they just wanted to get out of the spotlight and chill, so I'd invite them up to Mark's office. After a while, they'd go back down to the club and enjoy the scene, and then I could dance. I did a lot of dancing. Mark relied on me to run all over the club. I did a lot of running. I'd run through the basement, under the dance floor, to get to the front door to greet the celebrities, then up to the rubber room, back down to the basement, back up, and out to the front door, back to Mark's office, down to the dance floor, all over the club, and fast. I was Mark's buffer.
Keep on Jumpin', Musique, 1978, big dance record. There was a lot of resentment about Studio 54 reopening so successfully, and we received several bomb threats, presumably from people who, in the past, probably had problems getting in. Mark hired a bodyguard as a police officer friend of his suggested. He didn't mess around. He secured the services of a former FBI agent. And then, one Saturday night, he received the most serious of threats. The New York Post was anonymously called and told a bomb would go off that night in studio at 1 a.m. The New York Police Department bomb squad came in with their big bomb-sniffing German shepherd and swept the place in the middle of the party. Mark said he witnessed over the years at studio nothing struck him more odd than the sight of a German shepherd sniffing the seats in the dark balcony. But thankfully the dog didn't find anything and the cops gave Mark a choice. A, cause mass hysteria and possibly permanently damage the reputation of studio by evacuating the club in a panic, or B, ride it out. Mark decided not to tell the crowd. He crossed his fingers and let the revelry continue. This is what he said, I quote. It was closing in on midnight, and my brave ex-FBI agent was sweating. He sheepishly came over to me after the cops left and gulped, Mark, I have a wife and kids at home. I can't just stay here hoping there's no bomb. I looked at my watch, saw that it was 12.05 a.m., and I let him go permanently. I decided personal private security wasn't for me, and I managed my life without it for the next three years. Rick James found it hard to believe that Mick Jagger bounced around New York City at night alone. I never saw any of the stones with security. Whenever Rick was asked why he usually had somebody with him, he never failed to cite John Lennon. I couldn't argue with him. At 12.45 a.m., I moved through the crowd to the center of the dance floor, and I lost myself in the beat of the music and the energy of the crowd. A Navy man to the end. If studio was going down, I was going with it.
play that funky music, white boy, Wild Cherry. Whenever that song played, it was guaranteed Mark was on the dance floor. 1976. So, I will say my closing song for this evening, and to Mark Fleshman and Rick James. It's their birthday today, and it was one of their favorites. And I know this because one night I ran into them at Regine's, and the um, DJ played the song that I'm going to play for you tonight. We had a glass of champagne, so it stands out in my mind and I had just left Caballero's, uh, Morris Levy's club. It doesn't get any better than that. Morris Levy, Rick James, and, um, and Mark Fleischman, all within one block of each other, and this song that I'm going to share with you this evening. So, it doesn't get any better than this one, written by Harold Arlen from the Great American Songbook, and I dedicate it to the guys and to all of you on February 14th, Happy Valentine's Day. Until next time, good night, boys and girls. XOXO. I'm going to love you. Like no one's love you Come rain or come shine High as a mountain Deep as a river Come rain or come shine I guess when you met me It was just a one of those things But don't ever bet me Cause I'm gonna be true Like no one's loved me Come rain or come shine Happy together Unhappy together And wouldn't it be fun Days may be cloudy We're in Orion of the money, yeah, but I'm with you always, I'm with you rain and shine, you're gonna love me like nobody's loved me. Come rain or come shine 
happy together unhappy together and wouldn't it be fine days may be cloudy and sunny we're in our yard of the money yeah I Yeah. <laughs>